Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, Mm-hmm. You know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- I a bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. I know you're really excited about tonight, mm-hmm. but we do have a bit of a situation with one of your guys. Logan tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and tonight we witnessed Drondekia. Did you notice how many drones were in this fucking episode tonight? I did notice there were, well, some repeated cruise drone footage that I swear was by the company and not Bachelor. And then the tulips, they were very happy with their tulip situation. 
they had a fucking fleet of drones out there. Just as many drones as they could get footage of. I, I mean, the drone use in this season is insane. It is too much. Let's just say too much. Too much. Take it back a few. Use two or three drone shots in your opening B-roll to establish where you are and the beautiful location. And that's it. You leave it at that. I don't know what you're talking about. I like to feel like I'm being zoomed around the world back and forth, back and forth all the time. You know what it made me realize, though? What? Human camera operators better start looking for another job because within five years, that drone technology is going to be good enough to do anything that the camera will just fly itself around. You may think this is a bachelor podcast, but it's actually every week. Clues will just announce some job that technology is going to destroy and ruin some people's days. Sorry. It is one of them. If you're a camera operator, brown bear visuals, you better invest in drones. What do you mean? Brown bear visuals. He can then just start to like, program them you know like the bees from uh what was that dark show called black mirror (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) thank you for joining us enough drone talk i mean not enough we do have some more coming up rest assured but tonight we have for you a very special offering we're gonna be breaking down week five of the regular season that's the sixth episode of the historic bachelorette season 19 when dekia the first dual lead gabby wendy and Rachel Reckia. But before we get to any of that, we do have a little bit of business to mention. Right now at GameOfRoses.co, you can buy brand new Sauce Wars t-shirts that we have available. These, of course, commemorate and describe the war that is raging between the two halves of Bachelor Nation currently between the official Bachelor Nation podcast as they sling their sauce and uh, uphold the company line of all the narratives that are produced in the show. And then there are the podcast on the other side, slinging the tea, trying to combat the sauce with the truth, getting behind what really matters in the nation. Those shirts are available at GameRoses.co, as are, for a limited time, our original 4TRR shirts. Katie Thurston wore that shirt in a Instagram story recently, and we were like, we must honor <laughs> the queen. And so the shirt is now available once more. Celebrate the occasion. That's right. <laughs> it's giving... Me, some inspiration to go peacocking in my 4TRR shirt. (laughs) You know, not that I ever leave my home, but when I do, I sometimes am like, you know what? I'm going to wear that Sauce Wars t-shirt. And then I wind up not going out. But next time I go out, I'm going to wear the Sauce Wars t-shirt and see what happens. I just got my Sauce Wars t-shirt in cream. If you're on the video, I love it. It's so gorgeous. It's cute. And yet it has you know, an eerie theme of war. Cute plus eerie theme of war describes my entire wardrobe. So it fits in very nicely. But (laughs) other than that, we also have the paperback edition of How to Win the Bachelor, which is a book that Pace Case and I wrote after doing a hyper binge where we watched every episode of The Bachelor in order, wrote down all the notes, took all the details, made our own statistics, and we wrote a book that is literally how to win the game if you go into it. And not only does it elevate your play style, if you're thinking about coming into the game, it will alter the way that you actually watch the show. And if you like our podcast, you'll probably like the book. It's, uh, you know, in line with everything that we say because we wrote it. We got a professional illustrator and asked them to design some of these images that have been that really signify our beloved game, including one that I really love, which is of Tasha, an Instagram post of Tasha, mm. as if you had hovered over the image and you could see all the tags. And we got a professional artist to uh, recreate that. Yeah. So once again, GameRoses.co for the shirts and keep an eye out. I think that book's going to come out sometime in 
January? We don't know. We don't know the release date yet. It's either a great stocking stuffer or a great Valentine's Day gift. We'll we'll let you know which holiday to celebrate as <laughs> once we get that date. But we thank you for joining us tonight. And now we are going to do what we came here for. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. Welcome to Drondekia. This is week five of the regular season, episode six. We open, as we always do, with a promo. Tonight on The Bachelorette, we see a woman with a whip. We see tulips, kisses, Nate, Tino, Polaroids, love level threes. DLP's doing a knock-knock on Gabby. Something's disappointing. A hard decision must be made. Hometowns are coming. They don't let us forget that. We see some tears. We see Tino feeling like Rachel isn't falling for him. More tears. And Gabby not able to think clearly as we come into portion one. Six drone shots open this fucking show. Six drone shots in a row of the same fucking boat. What are they doing? And they're intercut between the Bachelor drone footage and the cruise line drone footage, despite what anyone else thinks. One drone shot. I get it. We're on the cruise. I don't need to go fucking doing Top Gun like flybys of this thing this much. It's crazy. (laughs) It was like a minute of drone shots of this fucking boat. Show me another minute of a group date. You know, I was at a wedding this weekend and they paid a Tom Cruise impersonator. Oh, that's cool. What did he do? He had some good impersonations. <laughs> he, yeah, he was smacking his gum really professionally, giving thumbs up, said his name was Maverick, etc. But I agree there were too many drone shots, but apparently the cruise ship is empty except for the Bachelor production staff, so they got to make that money back and add somehow. I guess so, but... We get Rachel Recchio walking around the deck of this ship. She's ITMing through a horribly Franken-bitten piece of audio that she has the best group of guys. And this, of course, coming on the heels of last week, sobbing about none of the guys being there for her. So in one week's time, now they are the best group of guys. We get the map. We see that they're taking the cruise ship to Amsterdam. Bunch of B-roll of Amsterdam. And the crowns are walking the streets as Rachel ITMs the severity of involving families in hometowns. This is now the second mention of hometowns, including the promo, in about... 12 seconds of the uh, the first portion here. I would love to see a word count on hometowns in this episode. It was, I want to say it was every other word. And we get Ethan also ITMing. It's deep in the game now. Love that. And Open gameplay speech. Gabby and Rachel Recchia are wandering the Amsterdam streets. And they're debating about whether hometowns is a new chapter or a new story. And... We cut back to Team Rachel in the Dock House. Zach gets the one-on-one date. Let's let our love bloom. Love, Rachel. And he plays very for TRR at receiving this. Tino ITM's disappointment here not getting the date card as he has some open gameplay speech. He says, this week the scoreboard reads that Zach wins the amazing one-on-one. That's, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> How is this not a sport? And the second one-on-one. Anybody saying this isn't fucking sport is just wrong. You have to change your mind now. This is the fact that changes your mind. He said there's a scoreboard. Unfucking believable. I wish we had a goddamn scoreboard in this show. That would make it so good. 
He'll never do it. That I mean, the fact that he knows there's a scoreboard makes me think he's a student of this game. Other things he does make me not think he is. But here he does some great character building saying, I'm going to the gym. I have some pouting to do. And that's a great. Oh, he said pouting? I believe so. What did you think? I thought he said pounding. Oh, pounding. Like he's angry and has to like hit a heavy bag or something, you know? Maybe I misheard. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was pouting and I thought that this was great mansion free play antics. If you can do anything with your environment, especially tying it to your emotional state, I love this as a play. Like, oh, whenever I'm really upset, I eat a lot of candy and then they can cut to you eating Mm -hmm. a lot of candy or something to just sort of visually represent your emotional storyline. Yeah, I agree. Team Gabby in the social club discuss the one-on-one before hometowns and Nate gets it. Let's see where love takes us. I'm guessing this was meant to be an aquatic boat tour based on the fact that we see Gabby doing it alone. Yeah, it seemed like that, but but things went a little awry, obviously. But historic things happened here. This was the first double-double in history. That is your second one-on-one date in the same episode as someone else who's getting their second one-on-one date. We've never seen that happen before. Did you scream? Well, I said to myself, I think you could probably only... I mean, you could technically do it in another season, but it's just... It would be extremely rare. Oh, fuck. Maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) Maybe it has happened. Maybe this isn't our first double-double. Oh, no. You're pulling a... Sorry. It may not... I'll have to go back. You're pulling a happy hour host right now. (laughs) Clues. (laughs) I got to go back through the fucking thing. But I'll, I'll get the real data. I'll let you know. But I think it is. I think it is. Keep us posted. I'm at least aware of the fact that it might not be. Okay? That's at least up on happy hour. Jesus. You know, a wise man knows what he doesn't know or whatever. Rachel Recchia and Gabby are sitting at a table and Dark Lord Palmer greets them. And he at Love Level 4's Amsterdam. This man is a is a world traveler. I wouldn't be surprised if he started pulling out multiple other languages during this world tour. And DLP asks them, is this thing working? Rachel Recchia says, for sure, for me. A complete complete attitude shift from last week. Hmm, that's so weird. It's almost like they picked and chose the footage to just make it seem like she was completely devastated and she's actually fine. I mean, she seems like a, a literal different person now yes. in this one. Like nothing bad happened. No. And we saw her breaking down, sobbing, canceling a group date. Thinking she's the worst bachelorette ever. Yeah, I can't do this. I'm making so many mistakes. I don't know if I should be here anymore. And now she's just like, yes, the process is fantastic. They got to her. (laughs) They put her in a fucking room and they're like, yeah, those producers are like, you're not getting out of here until you're happy again. And then she got happy. And now that's what we're seeing. She's skipping through the tulip fields. DLP asks them, oh, is love in the air? Gabby says a little too much. Uh, Her connection with Nate is palpable. I know he's an amazing dad. But if I were to jump into a commitment like that, I want to be 100% ready. So she is sort of loading her storyline for the episode that she's not sure whether she can be an instant mom with Nate. And Gabby ITMs, I take being a mom very seriously because of her PTC, that she's terrified of putting someone else in her position. So we are going to be watching that. There was also something in that 
in that little speech where DLP was like, uh, big week, obviously. Hometowns is coming up next week. How does that make you feel? And Gabby goes, nauseous. (laughs) (laughs) And again, this is them mentioning hometowns again for the hundredth fucking time already within the first like 10 minutes of of the show. It just was like, God, too much drone shit, too much hometown mentions. We get it. Hometowns is next week. You could say it once, maybe even two or three times hit it, but this is absurd. Clues. We start portion number two with another casting card. Dark Lord Palmer says, did your last boyfriend live in his parents' basement? We can do better. Apply to be on the next season of The Bachelor. You know, in the in the first year of the pandemic, more than half of Americans under 29 were living with their parents. <laughs> the first time this has happened since data on the topic became first available in right. the 1940s. But we're in touch with our audience. <laughs> this is according to uh, Fortune.com. God. Yeah, I mean, all of these these things that they're doing to try and get people to sign up are just not working. There are these weird tones that are either like, you're a fucking piece of lazy shit. Sign up for The Bachelor. Or it's like, your fucking picker's broken. Sign up for The Bachelor. It's like a, they're, they're kind of insulting the player before the player even comes into the show. So the first attitudinal establishment is like, we control you. You're a piece of shit. It's also like when people dump their person to go on the show, like too close to production, it has been villainized on the show. So it's like, yeah. do you actually want that or not? They do because they want villains. I I mean, I feel like someone was like, what is the theme for our casting cards going to be? And they were like, you know, that T-shirt that just says dump him. Let's go with that energy. <laughs> I hope it was that like just fucking somebody's like, oh, yeah, that, that's a funny T-shirt. In my mind, I've got it built out like they have a whole fucking psyops thing underneath ABC where they're like, what can we say exactly to get the next Sinead Ankney to apply? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Anyways. Oh, my God. Portia to that again. Shots of Amsterdam in the day. Gabby's walking the street. She's ITMing that Nate is the most comforting conversation. And she loves how he treats her and sees her and her daughter, and she loves him even more because of all of it. She goes back and forth on if she wants to be a mother, though, and we get her one-on-one. Nate uh, comes up to her, and he picks her up, and he kisses her. He's clearly attempting a hooju here. He's trying to force her into one, but she does not have it. No legs around. There is no cling. There's, this was not a hooju. Missed opportunity. Look, there were no legs around, but I felt like there were no legs around kind of like Prue style. Madison Prue who do? No, but Prue went up to Pilot Pete. Prue had an approach, at least. There's no approach here. Mm. No, clearly Gabby is a reluctant who or This is maybe a forced who if anything. It, we see one of those later in the show. This is not a forced who I'm telling you, this is not a fucking who You have to have at least a couple of components of the who Okay. She didn't even have like a fucking disma... Kind of. It's not a hooju. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm taking it out of the data. I'll go with you on this one, bud. Thank you. I appreciate it. I know how much it means to you. I love the sub sport. <laughs> they, uh, Gabby asked me if he's ever been to Amsterdam. He says he went during the pandemic. Everything was closed. And he says he was shocked to get the second one-on-one, but ex- extremely excited. And back on the boat... We see the guys discussing Nate's relationship and 
the guys think he's a front runner and has a pretty high chance of coming back. They this is more fucking glorious open gameplay speech. Johnny's like, I mean, he did go from a one-on-one to a group date rose to another one-on-one. That's huge. He yeah. understands <laughs> the game mechanics like pretty well here, at least at a, a layman's or slightly higher than layman's terms. But uh, that's, in my mind, open gameplay speech when you're literally going back through essentially the games that player played in the course of the season mm-hmm. to get him right up to playoffs. And is he going to make it or not? That's like what they're debating about here. I mean, this is basically Johnny calculating Nate's RQ, basically. He's just like, he got that zero pointer on the one-on-one. He got that zero pointer on the group date. Speaking of RQ, uh, I have tabulated all the rose quotients for the remaining one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players. And uh, I will be revealing those at the end of the show. The rose quotient for those who may be listening for a first time or who may have not heard us talk about the rose quotient, this is a metric that we came up with that is in that book we mentioned, How to Win the Bachelor. And it describes a player's ability to get high-value roses. These are one-on-one date roses, group date roses, any rose outside of a rose ceremony. And how it's tabulated is all of those types of roses are given zero points. And every other rose that's given out in a rose ceremony, you get a point value that is commensurate with its placement, with the rank in which it was given. So like the first flower of the night has a one, the second one is a two, so on and so forth. You add all these numbers up, divide them over the total roses, and you get a number. The closer to zero you are, the better you are as a player. So a perfect rose quotient would be 0.0. And that means you get the first impression rose, a one-on-one date rose, a group date rose, a group date rose, a one-on-one date rose, a group date rose. And then you have to get some kind of specialty rose in hometowns because hometowns are always rose ceremonies. But you got to get a rose outside of it. I don't know if anybody's ever done that. Nobody has a perfect score that we know of. Anyways, that's what a rose mm-hmm. quotient is. But Caitlin Bristow has a higher one than Nick Vial. That's kind of all you need to know. Yeah, and she's still beating even the top one tonight. But the top player tonight has a very good one. But Caitlin Bristow is at a 0.74, which is the best in history. Goat, goat behavior. Can't wait to find out at the end which ones have the highest, have the lowest one. I would guess it would be Tino. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe Avon. Yeah. What do you think Tino got in that that first rose ceremony is where you live or die with the with a rose quotient, mm. especially one that was this big, where it was like fucking because they had that first botched rose ceremony and they only got rid of three people. The second rose ceremony had like a bigger cut. Anyways, we'll get to yeah. it. We'll get to I it. I mean, that's why the that's why the RQ, you know, it it gives a weight to the fimp. The fimp does have a weight. Absolutely. Or playing a very good night one so that you're not on the chopping block at the end. Being a safe player on night one gets you ranked higher in the, especially in the fucking edit, if not in the outright order that the roses are given. Anyways, I could go on for hours about this. I could teach a fucking class on the rose quotient. A daily class at a major university. A daily class. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. So they're sitting there talking about the Rose Quotient, essentially. And then we go back to the Gabby one-on-one. They're walking the streets some more. Um, Then we're back to Johnny and Logan pontificating about whether or not Gabby wants to be a mother right away. And this is the most forced guy chat I think I've ever seen in the history of the show. And it's because we don't know about these guys. So it's not believable in any capacity that they're having a real conversation about Gabby's uh, supposed viability of being an instant mother. It just makes no sense. No. 
no, these guys are not talking about Gabby and wanting to be a mom, naturally. <laughs> Correct. And it is very stilted. And I think like there's a lot yeah. of those conversations happening this season with the girl chats too. Well, Gabby on this date, which is being intercut with this Johnny Logan conversation, brings Nate to a bench and she immediately starts crying. I wanted today to be so so special. I have such deep feelings for you. Love level wanting him. He says, don't cry. She says, it's going to get harder. We're just at two different places in our life. It's not you. It's me. He says, it's not you. She said, I know it's cliche. I'm terrified of not just like being a mom, but being bad at it. I see you and know you're such a good dad. I know she's lucky to have you. I know if meeting her, I'd have no choice but to fall in love because I know how much she's like you. Every time I see you, my feelings get deeper and deeper. She's basically doing the most 4TRR letdown possible. And he is doing a very 4TRR exit. When the time comes, I know you're going to be a great mom. Like, that was an excellent line. They say they're going to miss each other. And she says, you made my experience so special. And you taught me what it's like to get treated so well. And here, Nate produces tears. Somebody's going to be so lucky to feel like you picked them. And he even says right before this that this was one of the best experiences ever. He's so glad to have met her. Both of them here are praising the process. Even as he's getting eliminated, he's still saying, this was great. Don't feel mm -hmm. bad. This is textbook how you do it. For TRR, always praise the process. Be gracious, even in elimination. And that's how you rise up the ranks to maybe come back as a bachelor or high sand placement or... Maybe even a resurrection some season down the road. I thought he played this very fucking well. He played it so well. I almost thought, like, maybe we are in store for a Nate resurrection at some point. Yes, I thought that as well. But now I kind of don't. I don't know. No, no, definitely. If he does, they've cut it out at this point. Yeah, that's what I think as well. After they hug, he also gives the saddest let's go ever. <laughs> was it like, but it wasn't like a let's go. It was like a let's go. No, I was like, let's go. Like, let's leave, though, he meant. Right? He wasn't trying to yeah. do it like the sports one, but just said... No, he was trying to leave. She's like, now I'm going <laughs> to walk you off and put you in this car. And he's like, let's go. <laughs> let's go. He's sad. Uh, <laughs> let's go. And he wishes her luck. And she gives this ICM we saw in the promo. I don't know if I made a mistake. I can't think clearly. The way he handled it makes me want to be with him more. It is so sick. And we see all of this footage of Nate crying. He's walking down the street. He's crying at a canal. He's talking, ITMing about her warmth. And it's a hard connection. I don't think I'm going to be able to replicate. I really thought this was giving him a next crown edit. And I'm like, maybe they just didn't have the footage for this. But it felt very much like the... Clayton getting eliminated reading the letter from that child army. Yes, I completely agree. And, you know, it's interesting. There was a lot of uh, controversial stuff happening with Nate at the moment within the nation. There are all kinds of allegations that he was involved in uh, two simultaneous relationships at some point before coming on the show with uh, one of the people, I believe the allegation is that he hid his child from her for a full whatever the, the length of that relationship was. I don't know about the validity of any of this stuff. It was reported by Reality Steve, and then it kind of went all around 
in the the world of podcasts and all that stuff. And we're going to be uh, listening to some reactions to it, I think, on the next Digging Deeper. But mm-hmm. no matter any of that, whatever's going on, it did feel like they cut this to elevate him. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, he... Like part of the reason I felt like maybe he was even going to do a resurrection is they just really lingered in these ITMs. He says, you can't just switch off emotions and feelings. I'm still falling for her. So he's love level three post-mortem. We're seeing footage of the other guys saying he's great. Logan says, that's crazy, man. He was a good guy when the Grim Reaper takes his suitcase. That inclusion of him saying that, that's crazy, man. He was a good guy. To have another person say that person is a good person in the program, in the Mm -hmm. document itself, is like, that's a hardcore choice made by the producers to put in things that bolster his character. Definitely. there. I mean, and they cut things to hurt character. There's a point, spoiler of the rose ceremony, but when Ethan says goodbye, he says, I think you light up every room too. But we never heard her say you light up every room. Of course. And I'm just like, damn, they cut that out. Yeah. No bolster. You get a bolster or you don't get a bolster. That's what happens now. Right. (laughs) They're going to bolster or not bolster (laughs) or tear down your bolster. Those are the three choices in editing. (laughs) (laughs) Or a drone. Yeah. (laughs) Bolster, no bolster or drone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So like you were saying, uh, you know, Nate's, ITMing about his heartbreaking confusion and uh, we see the Grim Reaper take Nate's suitcase away and the guys are all feigning concern as they actually hide their joy. And then we see Nate walking the street alone and he's ITMing that he's going to try and stay positive even though it didn't work out. You can't just switch off emotions. And then he gets in a car and he's fucking out of there. And then we begin portion four. Daytime, Gabby's on the boat by herself pondering. She ITMs through some tears. It's hard losing someone like Nate. Seems too early and too late simultaneously. And it's hard knowing if you made a good decision. Poetic. Indeed. I thought that was a great line. And she says, right now it just hurts. And then we cut to tulips. A windmill. (laughs) Rachel Reckia walking through the tulips. And she says she's never seen anything like this in her entire life. Well, I guess she didn't watch Bachelorette season 15. And didn't see Ooh, Hannah Brown roasted. walking through what appears to be the exact same tulip field during her season when they went to Amsterdam. And we all know what the windmill did in her season. I can't believe they didn't go in the windmill. We're going to have a windmill and not go in. They got to at least make out in there. Hannah Brown probably had that in her contract when they tr- when they brought her back for Pilot Pete's season. And she came in to be the Kerbal Night one. She was like, I'll do it. But you can never mention the word windmill and anything else. That's mine now. She shut them down. Yeah, I love I love that. That is a really specific conspiracy town. Hell yeah. She bought all the windmill footage out from under them. The more specific, the better in conspiracy town as far as I'm concerned. But we get four drone shots here, really getting their money's worth out of these fucking drones again, all flying around the tulips, flying around Rekia, flying. There's just drone shit everywhere. But then we see Zach running up to her and we get... It is something that barely qualifies as a fucking hooju, but it does. <laughs> Rekia clearly doesn't want to do this. No approach. She has no approach. 
She bends backwards in an attempt to avoid the hooju as Zach comes up and hugs her and is like clearly kind of like, come on, the producers want us to do this. And she's not doing it. But he ultimately literally picks her from the fucking ground. She has no choice in this. And he forces her up into this extremely lazy mount that results in an equally lazy cling, off-balance dismount. One of the worst hoojus I've ever seen. And I'm not sure what the final score is going to be here. But, um, you know, I'll have my official analysis out tomorrow. Sub five. Maybe sub four for sure. A, a non-approach. A non-mount. I mean, it was just terrible. Another forced hooju. I mean, I just think consent is a super important part of a hooju. And both parties, the mount and the hoojuer, they need to they need to both be on board. I completely agree. And especially if you don't have the hoojuer on board, it's like that's how's that ever gonna work? It's just not. I don't know. Broke my heart to see this because I think she can deliver a good hooju and we're just not going to. Absolutely. She rode that bicycle. That was for a person twice her height. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but she does get some kisses in here and she ITMs that she thinks she and Zach will pick up right where they left off as they walk through these tulips. And she says Zach makes her feel like special and seen. She whips out a Polaroid. They're taking Polaroid pictures of each other and we're seeing the Polaroids fly up on screen. And she ITMs that they can have fun. They can be goofy. And we get this final drone shot as they're riding bikes through the countryside. And Zach is ITMing that he's at the strongest point he can be with Rachel. He sees his future with her without a doubt. So he's doing a little bit of future casting there. And then they stop at a roadside cheese stand. And then they stop at a roadside wooden shoe stand. And then they stop at a roadside lemonade stand run by children. Are any of these real? This was the exact same date that they did in La Quinta, except they did it with bicycles in Amsterdam here, not on razor scooters around the La Quinta pool. Who are these fucking people that are running these stands? Are these actors? Are these just locals? I think they're locals and they're like, do you want to do a little bit of food play here? I think as much as they can, they make it a contained environment. Right. I don't think if you go to these tulip fields, you can find any of those things, especially the children. Yeah. It's so strange. After they hit that first one, I was like, what the fuck? There's just a cheese stand out there. Then the next one's selling fucking wooden shoes. I'm like, come on. And then there's another one and it's children selling lemonade. And I'm just like, this is absurd. What the fuck are they doing? It should have been Dark Lord Palmer in different disguises form, <laughs> like when uh, DLH did it. Yeah, fake mustache <laughs> shit. Oh my God, that would have been fucking hilarious. Like different accents. We get another drone shot this time of a windmill. We know what it means in Bachelor lore with Pilot Pete and Hannah Brown. They walk around the windmill. They kiss. Zach ITMs that she's everything he's ever wanted and she still gives him butterflies. And then they get into a portable hot tub, which we've seen in season after season <laughs> in our beloved game. As Zach ITMs that he may be falling in love with her. This is a love level two. Maybe falling in love. We then get a shot of two equines frolicking in a pasture nearby. This representation of the passionate love between Zach and Rachel Reckia, as seen through these horses, produced my... <laughs> creature of the week. I mean, we didn't have a lot to choose from, but anytime you throw in a horse, especially anytime you throw in a horse that's a reaction to getting in a hot tub... That horse is important. 
You better watch out for them. And in this case, it was the Creatures of the Week. These two white horses who are playing with each other in a sort of horse chemistry play in order to represent the new loaded love level two by Zach after they've changed into swimsuits. Where am I? <laughs> Creature of the week. I love when the animals are clearly a metaphor. Especially these stallions who just happen to be near the children selling lemonade and the other folk. (laughs) It's very lucky they got that. Those horses are from some other season. Those horses are fucking B-roll from another TV show. It's probably from... uh, (laughs) Yellowstone or some shit. Yellowstone. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, in the hot tub, Zach tells her that their first date got better and better because they joked about dumb things and that's what he loves. That's how he knows there's something there. And he says he's looking forward to hometowns. He says, uh, to be honest, you can meet my family now. He's that confident. They would all love each other. We get some kisses. And Recky then ITMs that Zach has continued to impress her and she would be honored to meet the people that raised him. And we get a completely unnecessary drone shot that flies by the hot tub. Then another drone shot from higher above them as it's flying out. It's, I'm telling you, within five years, drones are going to be everything. They're going to shoot every possible thing and you're not going to need people. Time will tell. Five years. <laughs> five years time will tell. Five, three to five years. Three to five years. I just put all my predictions in three to five years. Sometimes they take a little longer. That's the safest prediction because that's how long it takes people to forget your predictions. <laughs> how dare you? A lot of my predictions come true. Uh, wait, there is just a subtleness to this play by Zach in the hot tub that I would like to highlight. Please. He is future casting about the hometown saying you can meet them out them now for all I care. I'm I'm that confident and sure that you would absolutely love them and they'd absolutely love you. So I love that it's future casting It's also hinting at love levels Mm -hmm. by including the sacred word here, but not using it in a love level raise because he's going to do it at the night portion because he's a professional player. I couldn't agree more. Portion five begins. We're in the middle of the night now. Rekia and Zach head into a museum for dinner. We see a Rembrandt painting called Syndics of the Draper's Guild that is currently owned by the Rick's Museum in Amsterdam. So that is where they are. Rick's Museum? Rick's Museum. Table Rick? No. <laughs> yeah. He bought the the biggest National Archive Museum in, in uh, Amsterdam. No. It's R-I-J-K-S. I assume that's Rick's Museum. Anyways, that's where they are. We see some other paintings here as well. Portrait of a Young Couple by Franz Halls is in there as well. Bunch of Rembrandts they have. Thank you for all of this art info. My pleasure. A scholar. Yeah, I I like paintings and stuff. I truly do. They sit down and agree that this is a bucket list moment, and he confirms that he has no doubts about meeting, having her meet his family, sorry, and she asks him if he's ever brought someone home to meet his family, and he explains he's had two serious relationships, one in high school and one that ended a little over a year ago, and he explains that that relationship ended because things took a turn in his life. Now, we saw Zach play on his first one-on-one date a mirror childhood experience, not PTC, but childhood memory. His father uh, forced him to watch planes flying overhead out at a landing mm-hmm. strip or small airport, just as Rachel Recchia's father forced her to do it as well. So he played that on his first one-on-one. 
Now he's going to drop his PTC right here at dinner. He says he was 85 pounds more than he is now, severely overweight as he described it. He had no love for himself and he was trying to seek that in others but couldn't find it. So he needed to make sure he became whole basically before he could receive love. And she asked him, what did you do to work on yourself? He explains the main thing that helped him was therapy. Rekia gets excited about this. She thinks it really helps you to get to the bottom of everything. She's also going to therapy, especially after Clayton's season. She says it was her favorite part of the week. (laughs) Very pro-therapy play here and season. And Rekia says that she will definitely continue therapy. She's happy that he's he's sharing his struggle. And she says that he's so deserving of love. And then on the heels of this PTC, which he then uses expertly, this is exactly how PTC should be played. Here's this thing that was my trauma. Here's how it affected my life, a breakup in this case. And here's how I overcame it and became a better person, therapy. And now I know how to love myself and I'm ready to accept love and give love and everything else. And ideally, it's a mirror PTC. We know that Rachel Recchia, at least in her ITMs, has talked about problems with her self-esteem. Exactly. So it's it's hitting a little bit there. But then on top of this, this is the real professional level play here. This This isn't enough. You're in the final round before playoffs here. You must secure this rose. You absolutely must. And now what he does here, some people may think is a, an overplay. But at the end of this, he's played his PTC. She's had a very favorable reaction. I think at this point, he's got the rose. I don't think he needs to do what he mm-hmm. does next. But what he does next does assure that rose is his, like a hundred fucking percent. He says, I want to tell you something. I can now say, as a man with confidence, he's linking it back to his PTC, back to the therapy that's helped him gain this confidence. I can now say, as a man with confidence, I am falling in love with you, LL3. That is the first love level three. I believe we've seen this entire season. And it was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Like I said, some people may think playing an LL3 before hometowns is jumping the gun a little bit, maybe wasting a play. I think here you have to do it because this season is so fucking weird and you don't know what producers are going to be doing. Who the hell knows? Maybe they're going to throw another guy into hometowns. You have no idea. Get that rose that's sitting two inches from you on that fucking table by any means necessary. And he's done it here. Brilliant play. I agree that it's a brilliant play. I think it's probably the biggest play emotional moment of the episode. But there is one play that just for me was bigger than this was oh. <laughs> that was more powerful than this. But okay. we'll get to it. All right. Rachel Recchia loves this. She says, my heart is beating so fast. Zach says, I said it out loud and they make out. And he instantly gets that one on one rose. Recchia says, getting to hear more of what made you. I feel honored to know you. Lucky to have you here. Would love to meet your family if you'd have me. Will you accept this rose? He says more than anything in the world. He's ITMing. He's on cloud nine. Couldn't be happier. That's a very common bachelor phrase, cloud nine. And then they walk through the museum. Do they see any any other pieces? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they did. I didn't write any of them down, though. My apologies. Okay, I thought I didn't want to cut you off. You know, I didn't know you had this passion. So <laughs> what? I want you to you know I had a passion for art. Come on. 
I, I like art. What can I say? Well, there is an orchestra for a private concert here. They kiss and dance. There, there is another bicycle that goes through the shot, and I swear they have like Photoshop bicycles into this episode. There's there are bicyclists going through so many shots during this episode, like they don't give a fuck. The Bachelor is filming. Exactly. They're like, can you just wait for a second? And they're like, no, fuck you. No, we have bike culture. Sorry. Rekia loves how Zach has opened up, but he's still fun, but still emotional, etc. And back on the boat, because we can't sit in a happy moment for too long, <laughs> Gabby is walking the ship with her arms crossed, and she is not looking happy. And the guys on Team Gabby are discussing how she is probably upset. Yeah. That shit is also like, they're, why they're not doing that. They're not sitting around like, she really needs us right now. She just had to dump that other guy that we're playing against and up our odds of going to hometowns, but she needs us right now. But they're all, this is a hardcore 4TR game. I mean, it is what you have to do. They're just not doing it believably. But if you say the words, nothing can be done against you. Right. And Gabby enters Team Gabby's quarters, says, I think you guys know. I'm pretty sure they've already shot the <laughs> Grim Reaper part. Nate isn't here. Things get real. I'm not in a point in life where I could maybe assume the responsibility of being a mom. It's hard. She produces tears. It's not something you can really control. Sorry, you guys are probably freaked out. And the guys try to comfort her. She gives hugs to all of them. And yes, they're all playing an SDCO shoulder to cry on here for Gabby. That is your only option here. And she's like, the guys were really comforting about this. I'm like, why would they be upset in their like their one of their main competitions is gone? I know. Can you imagine any of those guys? Johnny is just like, you shouldn't be sad. You should be happy. If he wasn't the person for you, then you should be happy that he's gone. What are you doing? Yeah, right. Can you imagine anyone doing that? <laughs> just laying into her. No. Of course, you have to do what what they're all doing. They all take these hugs, take turns hugging her, and then she itms that this day was the realest, rawest day she's ever had, but the men were all really understanding. Today's pivotal for her, but making these big decisions will eventually lead her to finding her partner. And then there is another <laughs> Bachelor fucking uh, apply out to the Bachelor thing in this commercial break. This one, I saw this one, yeah. It goes, don't you think it's time to get rid of some dead weight, ditch your boyfriend, and apply to be on The Bachelor? What the fuck? I don't, I still don't understand these. After we've also just seen like a weight loss PTC. This is directly after that. God, you're right. There's like a strange insensitivity or are they trying to play to it? Are they trying to do a know. joke about it? I don't either. I don't think it's connected. I I just think it's, it lined up that way. But yeah, the the they vilify people who had their relationships just to go on. I just can't. We see a seagull that sits on a line. Sorry, seagull, not our creature of the week. And Gabby says, I woke up really sad. And we see a bunch of ponder shots of the men. We see a bunch of shots of the town. And there's a dog, a gray doodle-esque dog. Not my creature, sorry. Oh, I didn't even notice that, that dog. Uh, then Gabby ITM's positivity for her future and amazingness and fun that they're going to have on this group date. And we see the group date players. Logan, Johnny, 
Eric, uh, Spencer, and Jason. The guys meet her in front of a building. No hoojus here. She tells the guys that the day is going to be crazy and to lean in as much as they're comfortable. So, I mean, we already know what this is because the promo has come out. But at this point, uh, these guys must be thinking to themselves, holy shit, what's on the other side of this door? And then they go into a brick building and we see a woman in leather, maybe a dominatrix perhaps, twirling a whip in a kind of hellish red room. And we learn later that her name is Susie. This is Susie the dominatrix. And she was my... Not Jorge Moreno, Bystander of the Week. (laughs) Okay, well... You started doing it with the creatures. I'm like, I'm going to start doing it too. (laughs) S&M Susie, who's here to whip you guys into shape and talks about how people come to Amsterdam to live out their sexual fantasies and be open-minded and maybe do some dirty things. And I'm here to help you guys communicate with Gabby because sex is important in relationships. And therefore, S.O. Susie was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. I mean... For a show that sex shames people if they have sex at any point that's not during a specific week, that already shamed people for talking about, who was it? It was that guy named Chris. They shamed him for t- even mentioning fantasy suites, mm. even though, as SNM Susie says, sex is a very important part of relationships. So I love how, you know, this show can play in many different worlds at once. Indeed. And in this very world, in this very scene, I might not be giving out my Jorge Moreno Bystander of the Week, but I am giving out my... Face play of the game. Logan's reaction to Susie the Dominatrix cracking her whip was a thing of beauty. His eyebrows raise high on his forehead and his mouth kind of drops open as his eyes go big in his acceptance of his new role as a submissive on this group date. I thought it was uh, fantastic face work here. You're guaranteed to get some screen time because you know this is going to be a big moment in the episode. They've hired this woman to crack her whip. They want some reactions. He delivered Fantastic face play to Logan. Clues texted me this image and he very much looks like an emoji in it. I did not <laughs> notice it in the episode, but I, I agree it was a strong face play. Clues, mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing no- nothing. Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, 
Be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is flying by. We're almost halfway through it. Now, I've done a lot of things that I'm proud of this year. A lot of them related to gore. We've had some great interviews. We're kicking it up a level to get on YouTube. We're really taking it to the next place. But there's still a lot that I would like to accomplish this year. And when life is moving fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and to make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and then set achievable goals for the next six months so that you get all those things done that you want to get done. Lizzie talks about all the time how beneficial therapy has been for her. My friend Will on my other podcast talks about it all the time, and I agree. It is very good. It's a great tool to be able to talk things out in your life with somebody else who can set you on the right path to getting all those goals accomplished. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. However, it wasn't my award-winning face play this week hmm. because my bystander, SM Susie, asks, How many of you know how to treat a woman in the bedroom? <laughs> and everyone is kind of weirdly reacting to this. But people seem very uncomfortable. But one brave hero raises his hand sheepishly. <laughs> The mischievous grin of an elven feminist icon. And Johnny made my face play of the game. 
to be honest, Donnie did not stand out to me as a player early in the season, but he has used a sense of humor to make every scene in he's in more enjoyable. And I think once you see this image, you know what it looks like? Kieran Culkin in succession, mm-hmm. Roman when he is Roman Roy and he's accidentally sent like an image of his whatever <laughs> of his down what did we say it was called? His situation to his yeah. father, and he like looks up sheepishly. That is the way that Johnny looks in this moment. And yeah, it's great. I agree. We'll see him in succession very soon because of this face play. Never know what can happen if you're a good face player. That's true. And next we get another segment that I actually love. This is a highlight for me. Uh, S&M Susie asked them, what's very important is your safe word. And they all have to name them. We get Johnny says pumpkin. Jason says cruise ship. Spencer says Albuquerque. And Logan says asbestos. And I just felt like those were very, (laughs) very strong indicators. Of what? Of, you know, just things about them like (laughs) if jason says cruise ship he obviously has no idea what a a safe word is oh i see so you're gauging their experience in this realm on their safe words you know who we didn't get to hear was eric somewhat we didn't see eric's safe word (sighs) why do you think that is i don't know it was grace (laughs) yeah (laughs) clarity Then the dominatrix tells the guys that she's going to ask them some questions and not to lie to her. If they do, she cracks her whip and she asks Jason if he enjoys, I think she says, giving oral sex. Is that what she said? I thought, assumed it was head. Okay. (laughs) But it's one of those. Yeah. And so he doesn't want to answer it. And she asks Eric how often, I think she asked him how often you masturbate. These are all beeped out. And then, uh... He doesn't answer. And then Johnny is asked if he's slept with more than 10 women, more than 20, more than 100. He uses his safe word pumpkin, so he doesn't have to answer. We get no answers to any of these questions. Wait, I mean, Eric did answer the masturbation question. He held out his butt and said, do your worst. Right. I thought that was a funny answer. (laughs) No, it was a funny answer, but like we got no... This is a, a strange thing because usually in the context of these types of group dates, this would be a lie detector test. And the people would have to answer these Mm -hmm. things. And then the producers would fake if they are telling the truth or not. And then there would be like hell to pay or whatever. But here we don't really have to get any of these answers. I kind of wanted the answers. Yeah. The only information we get is that Johnny has slept with more than 10 women because he's from Palm Beach, Florida. (laughs) That's a good advertisement for Palm Beach. Anyway, they move to a darker room and S&M Susie says, this is going to trigger your flight or fight response. And they're supposed to sit on this chair. And Johnny says, do you want my clothes off, Susie? And Johnny takes his shirt off in a voluntary nudity play. Yeah, I thought it was pretty well done. I mean, but you're on a date that's like about sex. and There's dominatrix and shit. Voluntary nudity, just like taking off a shirt at this point. It's expected. And in the end, it's it's demanded, obviously. But then uh, they sit Gabby in the leather chair and all the guys get to uh, get tickled. And then they sit her in the chair and then they're tickling her. And Spencer does this very strange approach where I guess he's like kneeling down and the, some of the guys are ITMing that he's uh, from the military. And maybe that had something to do with it. And then mm-hmm. all the guys have to take off their shirts 
that he's like regimented, you know, that he's like trying to do this weird shit. Then all the guys have to take off the shirts and lay on rugs. They're blindfolded and Gabby starts uh, smothering them in whipped cream, specifically their nipples. And Eric ITMs that he's sexually open will try anything twice. We see Johnny is wearing a dog collar at some point. Gabby's looks like she's using vibrators on them, something that they've black boxed out. Um, overall, uh, I thought a very funny date, a very interesting date. I thought they yeah. did a good job with this one in terms of concept. I agree. I liked it. Again, though, presented poorly. I wanted to see more of this and you just don't have the time to do it. Right. You know, more answers. I think they spent way too much time on the Nate leaving edit when they could have spent. We should have lived in this state. The state was one of their best they that they've done. I totally agree. Completely underused. But it was a, a good thought, a good setup. Portion seven begins. We have the group date after party. It is, of course, on the boat. and. Johnny's hoping for that group date, Rose, because he's the only one who put himself out there, according to him. And Logan isn't there. I noticed it as soon as they sat down. I was like, there's only four fucking guys there. And they let him talk a little bit. And I'm like, are they just disappearing, Logan? What the fuck's going on? Then they kind of noticed, like, well, what's up? Why isn't Logan here? Oh, God. Th I mean, whatever. We're about to go somewhere. Uh, that's all I'm going to tell you. Pack your fucking bags. We're going to go on a little trip in a minute. That's all I'm saying. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay well dark lord palmer does a knock knock to gabby got a second to chat and he goes in and he says gabby we have a bit of a situation with one of your guys like even with gabby he is burying the lead yep logan tested positive for covid19 and gabby goes oh shit okay i hope your bags are packed because we're about to go to Conspiracy Town. Population. Me. Logan doesn't have COVID. This is a conspiracy. I think he wanted out of the show or they wanted him out for some reason. And this is what happened. They said, we're going to say you got COVID and we're going to disappear you. Nobody else got it. He's under lock and key with all these producers and shit. And yeah, they go out into the city and they're in there with the dominatrix, but all those guys were in that enclosed room. So was Rachel Recchia. They're all together all the time. How is he the only one who got it? That makes no sense to me. Look, I'm not going to your town yet, but this moment will contribute to one of my awards. And the way that they handle it later is sus. AF. I agree with you. Like, they're not making anyone else quarantine or anything. There's still a rose ceremony. And I know that they have a production schedule and they got to keep pumping it out. And if everybody else is testing negative, maybe fine. We'll, we'll just keep rolling. But like, how did he get COVID and no one else got it? And DLP is not worried. Gabby has it. Neither of them are masked. He says to her, we have a situation with one of your guys. Or any of the other guys. I mean, we'll get to that part, but yeah. Anyway, we can we can come back from Conspiracy Town, but whole this something seems very strange to me about this. Absolutely. That's all I'm saying. And I if if Logan really did have COVID, no disrespect. I obviously hope that he healed and, and got better immediately and all that kind of stuff. This is just a conspiracy, but seemed weird. Seemed very weird. And DLP being like, We're he's fine, but out of abundance of caution, we have to cancel the cocktail party. 
but they're letting all of the guys, all of the guys are in one room together indoors. Yeah. Uh, Gabby hopes he gets better fast. Dark Lord Palmer says again, I'm so sorry. And then Dark Lord Palmer enters the after party and he says, Logan is not here. There has been a situation with Logan. Get some sleep. Hopefully tomorrow get that time. Dark Lord Palmer saying that there was an untold situation with Logan and therefore the cocktail party is canceled and he's not entering in a mask and saying you all need to test for COVID right away was my wowie moment of the game. The guys are confused and upset and understandably so. Dark Lord Palmer withholding the COVID-19 positive testing of Logan information from the rest of the players on Gabby Wendy's team was also my wowie moment, moment of, the of the week. week. I couldn't believe this shit. He, okay. Either way, either way you go. Let's say that there is no COVID. Let's say our conspiracy is true. Then they're using it in order to make them feel crazy. The guys. Let's say it is true. Let's say that Logan has COVID-19. They're withholding that information from them to make them crazy. When he comes in there and he's just like, there's been a situation. Logan's not here. They're all in their head thinking like, fuck, did Gabby kick him off? Is this going to be another thing where she's crying and we have to STCO? They're doing gameplay now, like scrambling to figure out, fuck, how is this going to affect me? Whereas if he just comes in and says he has COVID-19, all of that is gone. Then you can also begin, as you're saying, the process to be like, and we need to quarantine you and test all of you now. But they're not doing that. At least not in the document. We're not seeing that. No. And like, it made me, it made me go not to Conspiracy Town, but I was, I was dabbling a little bit in it because I was like, <laughs> did they film it out of order? Did they purposefully? You're on the outskirts. Yeah. I'm like, hmm, what's going on over there? I, seems like kind of a brightly lit village, maybe kind of welcoming, glowing. Yeah. It's just one hut with a fire burning. That's me. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Yeah. No, but leaving that out, not even saying, hey, we're testing him or isolating mm -hmm. him or something like he's coughing. Like none of that was in there. So I'm like, it felt like they filmed it before they were sure how they were going to play it. Like they were going to mm. maybe like hide his COVID or I don't know what. Yeah. But interesting. He's like, I'll leave it to you guys to guess the worst possible scenario. Did Logan kill Gabby? You'll have to wait until the rose ceremony to find <laughs> out, you stupid turtles. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of those players do you think was like, you know what? I bet he killed Gabby. <laughs> Who among them? <laughs> I don't know if anybody was thinking that per se, but truly... He was using this, this withholding of this like just standard information that you would say very first thing. He was using it specifically to get their anxiety up, to get the turmoil up, to get them all thinking something bad has happened. And then we begin portion eight, uh, daytime. We get some B-roll in Amsterdam. And then we are on Rachel's group date with Avon, Ethan, Tyler, and Tino. They all race to her. Okay. Love to see this. They're literally sprinting when they see her. Tino wins the race. He tries to pick her up into a hooju, but she doesn't take the bait here. This is a group date, and she will not hooju on a group date or on a one-on-one, -on -one, technically. <sighs> God, I, I, the hooju's this season are just uh, 
They need work. But Spencer ITMs that the date card said, I'm looking for someone who melts my heart. We didn't see that date card. We didn't see Gabby's group date date card. We're just not seeing the date cards anymore. Another uh, thing that has fallen by the wayside in the strangely made season. Oh, they're telling us in ITMs from random people. Yeah, I, I really hate that. There's no formality in the structure of it anymore. And in fact, they've taken things out that I think are integral to that structure. Here's why the date card reading is important. Who's on each of these dates? Who's dating which person? I don't know. I'm confused all of the time. And this is what I spend all of my waking hours and immersed in The Bachelor. I don't know who's on what date. I don't know how many people are left. The date card lets you know this person, this person, this person, this person are on it. And oh, oh yeah, this person's not because they got the one on one. It helps you keep track of the numbers. And you also want to see them reacting to knowing they're on the date with various people. Like if there's an asshole in the group mm -hmm. and nobody wants to be around them, then they save him for last and they read off like five names. Then they read the asshole and the other five guys are like, oh, fuck. You know, you, you get to set up a little bit of the dramatic narrative before the fucking date happens. As we see it here, these motherfuckers just like come walking around a corner. I didn't even see them do their fucking hair. It's like when they started Avon's date and they were already mid coffee. Cool. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The construction of the season, they're they're leaving out key narrative features. And I hope they'll get back to it next season in 27, or at least in BIP. I hope we get some uh, semblance of, of normality there. Although I do think this BIP is going to be real crazy. Anywho, they go to a cheese festival. I guarantee it. <laughs> and they're eating some cheese samples. They're dancing around, drinking wine with their cheese. And she's ITMing that one little conversation could get somebody to hometowns or not here. So this is a big uh, day, a big group day, a lot riding on it. And then Avon isolates her for a talk by the river. We see some one-on-one -on -one time between them, and he says that he's... Good play. Yeah, his isolation technique here was uh, beautifully executed, I thought. And he says that he's looking forward to next week. Hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll be around next week. And as he's talking to her and they're they're coming back, Tino goes in for a steal right after Tyler's like, oh, I'm going to go talk to her next. Tino's just like, fuck you. You're not talking to her, dude. This is me. Zip. He just runs right by him. Love that move. He gets the steal here. She allows it. And so Tino gets an official steal from Avon in a season so far that has been virtually stealless. I think there might have been one other. I think we've seen one. Yeah. yeah. Tino gets a quick one-on-one -on -one time. He gets a kiss during it. And then we meet... Very interesting person. <laughs> I can only imagine that you want to talk about him. I do. Based on his hat. Unfortunately, I don't know the man's name. Uh, it was never presented in the document. I did some Googling, but could not find it. And all I know about this man is that he cares very much for his town and for his job which he performs expertly. I'm just going to call him the mayor of Cheesetown, and he was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. This man shows up, he immediately conveys authority, he immediately conveys expertise in what we're going to find out is a strongest man in Adam Cheesetown competition. Now, later it becomes something else. 
later it becomes who is the the che- king of cheese or whatever the cheese king but here he says it's the strongest man in the city a tradition they've had for many years now this is a lie i think i googled this shit for like five minutes didn't find nothing the only things that were popping up Ooh. were recaps and shit of this episode spoilers and stuff so did your own research did my own research so i believe this man is just straight acting I don't know who he is, but he was fucking great. His little outfit, absolutely loved him. And he's a major character throughout the rest of this date. We see uh, Ethan ITMing being lactose intolerant, but he has to eat cheese because Rachel Reckia loves cheese. Reckia tells the guys to take off their shirts. I love that line. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm going to confess something that has not been a very popular thing for me to tell people, but... I don't really like cheese very much. I'm oh. I think I'm a little lactose intolerant as well. That might be the cause of yeah. it, but I certainly know that people get mad when you tell them that. So that you're lactose intolerant? <laughs> I identify with Ethan. That I don't that I'm not into cheese. Yeah. Yeah, I'm vegan. I'm not either. Congratulations. Loser. We did it. <laughs> so Rachel Reckie tells the guys to take off their shirts and there is a committee of people in this town wearing these kind of like old style outfits or maybe they're like traditional outfits of the area they're just kind of around watching all these proceedings watching the guys as they uh, have to place these kind of like yokes across the back of their shoulders that have two little platforms hanging off them that are holding whole, giant whole wheels of cheese and they basically have to kind of uh, squat these things with the cheese on them and stand for a certain amount of time. We get no timer on the screen. It's just whenever the mayor of Cheesetown decides you can put the cheese down, you can put the cheese down, and they keep adding wheels of cheese, making it heavier and heavier. This is a standard like survivor kind of physical challenge, like a, you know, how long Mm -hmm. can you go until your arms are burning so bad you have to collapse type thing. And Tyler is out first. It's one of my favorite types of Survivor challenges. Oh, I agree. Totally love it. And by the way, you know who I think loves Survivor? Tino, because he does mm. some Survivor-esque tactics on Ethan oh, once shit. they're the final two. He tries to cut a deal with him, which is something Survivor players do a lot. And Big Brother. But also, this was very, like, Jesus on the cross looking to me. And then Tyler complains about his hands and wrists are cut up. A little biblical. Oh, you think Tyler got the stigmata from his cheese competition? It's an IFI. <laughs> stigmata. <laughs> Here, Tyler plays a stigmata IFI. Works very well. <laughs> but Ethan plays an IFI actually before him. I'm in that sorry. He passes out in the grass and uh, she has to go over and check on him. Well played IFI from Ethan there. And then mm-hmm. she comes and gets one-on-one time with Tyler, who, who then shows his IFIs, the cut wrists, and he says the only cure is a kiss from Rachel. He gets it. And then the big moment, uh, our mayor of Cheesetown comes in and he crowns Tino the cheese king of Adam. Item. I forget how to pronounce it. Um, and then Tino says, I'm the cheese king. This is an ultimate Viking type moment, in my opinion, far under the the ultimate viking this is nowhere on the level of that but it's a similar kind of structure no and then uh tino and rachel dance in a circle of locals at this cheese festival which may or may not be real and that is the end of portion eight well importantly here he gets a kiss from rachel Reckia and tyler itms tino and rachel Reckia kiss while we watch and it's the worst feeling in the world we savor your suffering 
Portion number nine begins. It is the Rachel Rachel Racket group date cocktails. Are they going to be in a fun European place? No, they're back on the boat. And Tyler ITMs to me, this is my future wife. Avon gets a first responder here. And he tells Rekia, I would be so honored for you to meet my parents. And she asks a question that she asks a few of them. Have you ever brought someone back? And there's an interesting thing laid in here. With his first partner, there were rough patches with his dad, who didn't think it was a good fit and was vocal about it. And then the last one, there were rough patches with moms, but they'll love you. And I like this sort of like hint at you might have some parental walls to overcome. Yeah. And either of them could be the bad cop. He even says both of my parents are going to love you and they're going to love me with you. How I am with you. This was a a pre-glow prophecy, in my opinion. He's basically saying, I'm going to glow and they're going to see it. Great tactic. He gets the kiss. And uh, right before this, though, I do want to mention there are a couple of shots where one, Rachel is sitting down between the guys and she's like, uh, I you know, need to reinforce the importance of tonight because you know hometowns are coming up next. And then it cuts literally to an ITM. And she goes, the group date's really important because hometowns are coming up. It's within like a four-second period, the same person saying the importance of hometown. It's just they are fucking ramming it down your throat. I get it. Hometowns are the next round. I understand. This is so unnecessary. It's, it's like they're assuming that we're watching it while we're like making a meal or chatting with our girlfriends as opposed to taking notes on every single sentence. <laughs> I think most of the audience is like, they'll pick it up. Even if you're fucking chatting with your girlfriends or making a meal, if you hear them say hometowns are coming 10 times, isn't that enough? They've got it here 50 fucking times. They got it. They got it because this whole season is a mess. They're like, oh, we're we're at the playoffs. We're close. Yeah. Remember, this is how this works. Uh, Tino says in his talking with the guys, he says, I think it's pretty rad. She did a full blown after party with all of us. And I thought this was an interesting line by him. It's like he's starting to get a little butthurt, perhaps that he didn't get, you know, just an after party with just the the strongest man in a dam or whatever. Poor Tino. He doesn't get it. I thought, I mean, he's a strong player. He has good intuitive skill, but like he doesn't get the game. And that is going to become very clear to us in a moment. But first we see some one-on-one time with Tyler. He opens with how hard it is to see her with other guys. He kind of uses that strategy and she says she knows it's tough, but she wants him to focus on their relationship. And he says he's 100% ready to intro her to his parents. The exact phrasing that he says is, everything was awesome. But at the end, I'm like, I don't want to look at this. Twiddling my feet like, damn, that sucks. And Tyler expressing jealousy at Tino mm. kissing Rachel Recchia in front of them was my... Error, 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 error of the game. The Bachelor, The Bachelorette is a polyamorous game, Ty Ty. You know what you signed up for, and you signed up to be emotionally tortured. And I believe players should focus on showing your strengths rather than your weaknesses. Totally agree with you. And Rekia agrees. She says, focus on our relationship. You know what? I forgot to give my error of the game because it it launched me into a furious discussion about other things. So I'm going to give it right now. Ready? 
I'm ready. <laughs> Logan getting COVID was my error, 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 error of the game. I don't know if it was real COVID. If it, again, if it was, sorry, and I hope that the everything's fine and he healed up nice and and fast. But whatever the case, whether it was real or imagined, don't ever take yourself out of the game. <laughs> don't ever test negative, bro. <laughs> no, don't test positive. Don't ever bro. test positive, bro. <laughs> yeah, test negative every time, bro. <laughs> Love that. I mean, we've been wondering whether a player was going to get COVID since Claire's season, and it hasn't happened yet. Which is kind of surprising. Supposedly not. But I'm also like, this is the first time we've seen how they handle it. And it's just that person has disappeared. And then they don't tell half of the people there that they have it. Like, that seems to me illegal. You know what I mean? If you're in some kind of TV production uh, crew, cast, if you're in a production bubble, I would imagine that the producers are obligated to tell you when somebody tests positive for COVID. And Maybe they did, and we just didn't see it. But it looked, in that scene with DLP, not to go back to this, but we have to go back to this. It looked to me like in that scene with DLP, they did not know that. It seemed that they were trying to piece together, like, what the fuck happened? It definitely did look like that. And maybe Conspiracy Town, maybe they had producers or PAs be the first person, and maybe they had already tested. But they were like, we need Dark Lord Palmer telling them Mm -hmm. that he's not joining. Like, that footage. Right. But I'm saying, like, no matter what they're testing, I and I don't know this to be true, but it seems likely to me that there's some legal obligation to tell those people immediately. Right. Maybe not. Or, like I said, maybe they did and this is all acting. That could be too. I don't know. There is something fucked in this. There's something. I don't know what which part it is. Same. I feel exactly the same way. Something ain't right here. Anyways, we get some more one-on-one time with Ethan, and he says that family is the most important thing to him. He knows it's the most important thing to her as well. Or he says, my family means the world to me, and you mean the world to me too. And he wants to introduce her to his family. He was waiting for the person to open up his heart, and it's her. They kiss. Then he ITMs that she is the person he could fall in love with. This is uh, why he wants the GDR. Could see himself. Sorry, could see himself falling in love with. This is why he wants that group date rose. Avon then and Ethan discuss the craziness of ending up at hometowns. Ethan says, whoever gets this rose tonight, you're locked into hometowns. I take that to be open gameplay speech. And then they talk about Tino getting the rose and the fact that he's the cheese king. And the guys say that he stays winning. Avon says, you got to lay it all out tonight. These are open gameplay phrases. Open. Ethan raises his eyebrows comically high as he says the line, Andy did get crowned the cheese king today, too. And it was almost my face play of the game because it was pretty good. I feel like there's a ton of footage of Ethan being hilarious. And we'll get to some of it here that they just didn't let out. I agree. Tino, on his one-on-one time, said that he basically would have done a hometown two weeks ago if i could have wrapped this up rest assured i would have been stoked to bring you back and rachel Recchia said how have they reacted and he says i'm not worried about anyone i'll be like you're gonna like her you really leave no doubt in my mind i haven't had a doubt in weeks any reservations with me and they kiss while he's asking this and then he itms that he hit it out of the park This is open gameplay speech. I mean, once you start getting into the playoffs, especially with guy players, 
all the sports shit starts coming out like around this time, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but he tells her that he's so sure of her, some more kissing, and he ITMs that this is a rose he wants more than usual, and he's expecting it because he thinks that he's her person. She returns back to the group, picks up that GDR, and uh, Tyler gets the GDR, not Tino, and Tino can't take it. He tells Tyler congratulations seriously, <laughs> then he storms off. And he ITMs, I don't get it. I hit every point today. Had the amazing moment. He's melting down. He doesn't understand. This is a producer's decision. This this play fucking, it crushes me. And you see it almost every season. One player will do this. When they don't get a group date rose or something doesn't go their, their way in a group date, they don't get picked to get the come to the extra after party, whatever the fuck. And they put it on the lead. They think it actually means something about how the lead feels about them. And it never does. The producers make these decisions. The lead does not. Usually. I mean, it can go the other way. But the producers are doing this specifically to piss them off. They just got you in an ITM saying, I want this rose more than any other one. This one means the most to me. Well, then guess what? You're not getting it because they want to see you fucking go insane. And that's exactly what happened. They played this motherfucker like a fiddle. I mean, he's not only not aware that she's not deciding to give him the group date rose, but he's also not aware that when he's like holding a drink, chatting with a producer, that he's secretly being filmed and that this part is going to make it into the edit. Like (sighs) he's saying, getting it after I crushed today and that I'm rolling into hometowns and I'm about to fight Zach out or even or anyone else who tries to roll into these waters your toast done let's roll and it's the side of him we haven't seen at all so far i'm curious if it's going to last more than one episode i loved this little moment that they put in there because i saw it Mm -hmm. from a producer's perspective which is okay this guy is a stone cold killer he sees it all as a competition and we're going to help him get as far as we can so we're going to give him the good edits, the good dates, et cetera, et cetera. They know he's that guy. Producer, I mean, they do a very good job of removing themselves from the frame. So there's no producers here. He's just talking to a wall. Mm-hmm. He's not talking to a person that's trying to help or hinder his progress in this fucking game who has the control to do it. They they visually take themselves out of it. But you got to remember, there's a person standing right there who controls what happens in this show. Watching this guy say that, and then letting him get a rose in the rose ceremony tonight. Making sure he does. Yeah. Fascinating to me. It also prompts my highlight of the episode. In response to <laughs> Tino's meltdown, Ethan says, Tino's acting like a real baby back bitch. And Ethan saying that Tino was acting like a real baby back bitch was my... Play, 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 play of the game. I laughed out loud. It had been in the promos. It's such a good line. (laughs) It is from the movie The Longest Yard. So it's actually a movie reference, but it plays as Ethan's own creation. And I thought that this was such a such a good line and an indicator of like what you were saying earlier, that he it's 
super funny and yep. has this whole side to him that we didn't really get to see. And we are seeing it on TikTok. Like he's the yeah. only one doing anything on TikTok. I agree. I think again, this is like underused and they're cutting Ethan's funny footage in service of what? More drone shots, more girl chats, things that we don't need, things that aren't elevating the narrative or the entertainment in any way. And they're just packing them in. It's like as much filler as they can fucking press into a season this year. And, and you've got this guy who's clearly a fucking gem and they've had him in the whole fucking season and we haven't seen any of it. No, we haven't. And, you know, we're not going to get to see more of him. Maybe he'll be in paradise and we will get to see that. But if he is, I, I already feel confident he's going to do this, but he, I bet he's already made a baby back bitch TikTok based on seeing it in the promo. I bet he was ready for this and I'm excited to see what he does with it. Oh my God. If he has a baby back bitch TikTok come out tomorrow or tonight even, I'll, mm -hmm. I mean... It might have already come out when this episode comes out. He's high level if he got that shit on point. Hang on. I'm going to look at it. Nope. He doesn't have it up there yet. But maybe. Maybe Ethan will come through. Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now, head to toe, dressed in Quince. I got their shirts. I got their pants. I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever. Unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. <laughs> I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash roses we're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer it's a great time of year it's a time for renewal for me that means reconnecting with friends and family i haven't seen for a while and when i do i want to make sure i have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with that's why first leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough, not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences on those questions you answered. 
These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days, with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand-curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Anyways, Portion 9 ends with Tino ITMing, uh, wondering about if he's not seeing things clearly. His fear is that she's not reciprocating the feelings for falling for her that he has, and he's second-guessing everything. Portion 10 then begins the day. DLP talks to Gabby, and she tells him she's feeling better this morning. He asks her how the circumstances have affected her hometowns, and she explains that some relationships haven't progressed in the same way others have, and she asks for more time to weigh her options and then he says, okay, I'll leave you alone with your thoughts and see uh, you at the rose ceremony tonight. I thought she was asking for like an extension of the rose ceremony, but I guess not. And she ITMs that uh, Logan won't be joining them for the rest of their journey. So we know that now. Do the other guys? We've literally mm-hmm. never seen anyone tell them that he is removed from the game because of COVID-19. And this, again, this is their first no. treatment of COVID-19 in the show. And it's... uh. They're doing it very strangely, I have to say. I mean, their their first treatment of COVID-19 was they did a bunch of blooper reel-esque shots of the guys sticking swabs up their noses in the Quinta. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, this is the first time someone's gotten COVID and they are making it, they're disappearing COVID from the show <laughs> along with Logan. Yes, they're not even saying the word again. And then we get Ethan and Tino are guy chatting and Ethan is uh, telling them, that they kind of took the other guys took disrespect to him walking off at the after party. And Tino says it shook him a lot. That's why he split early. And he says he should have been there for the guys. He felt like he hit new levels of vulnerability that day and made it made zero sense to him that he didn't get the group date rose. It felt like a blindside. So he kind of apologizes here to Ethan. And he says mm-hmm. he has some insecurities now about how certain she is about their relationship. And the ITM is wondering if he's not seeing it correctly. That is right. You are not seeing it correctly. Again, that group date rose is meaningless. We then get an ITM from Spencer saying he thinks that basically because Logan defaulted out, everyone should make it to the playoffs. So he's like, why are we even having a rose ceremony? Oh, the rose ceremony only has three roses. And Gabby explains, I don't feel I'm at the point where I can meet four men's families. I only have the budget to give out three roses. (laughs) 
<laughs> Go to three hometowns. But Rekia has two roses in addition to the two she's already given out on her group date and her one-on-one. So Rekia will get the full four, the full array. And we see here that the producers were planning to have a four and four hometown. So what the fuck is that episode going to look like? We already now have seven hometowns to go to in one episode. These are going to be meaningless. Maybe it's over two episodes. I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see. But like these things are going to be cut down to fucking like four minutes apiece. Oh, my God. We're going to meet one family member from each. Gabby gives out the roses, though. First flower goes to Eric, second to Jason and third to Johnny. So veteran Spencer goes home. And Tino ITMs here. This wouldn't bother me so much if I wasn't falling in love with her. Loads that love level three. And Rekia gives out her roses. First flower to Avon. Second flower to Tino. So that is goodbye to Ethan. We get shots of both Johnny celebrating with Gabby's winner's circle. And we get shots of Tino coming in to celebrate with Rekia's winner's circle. But we really get no exit from either of the guys who are eliminated here, which I thought was a little shitty of the show. Yeah, after they gave 20 ITM lines to Nate as he left. And when Tino, by the way, joins the winner's circle, someone says, hometowns, let's go. And I think they meant pump up, let's go, not let's go walk this way. (laughs) (laughs) They meant excited pump up, not directional directions that you're giving somebody to walk down a street. And we get Tyler loading love level three. Wow, I'm really falling for this girl. And Rachel Rekia and Gabby join their men. And we get the promo for next week. The promo includes hometowns, dancing, kissing, a taste of the future. Rekia dropping a love level three. Is someone in this show related to Patrick Warburton? Is he one of the dads or something? Did you see that? No. Was it just a dad who looks like Patrick Warburton? It looks like Patrick Warburton, the actor, is sitting on a couch talking to them in this promo. I don't know who that is. <laughs> okay. Did you ever watch uh, Seinfeld? Yeah, I watched Seinfeld. He was putty. Uh, okay. Vaguely recall. Anyway, I think he's in the show. I don't know, but it seemed like him. I think he's going to be on one of the hometowns. That's what it looks like. Gabby is terrified. Jason tells his mom he's trying to stay true to himself. Some dad accuses Rekia of living in a fairy tale. Tino has some things to say. Rekia's heart is breaking. And we get our tag... It's Rekia and Zach trying to ride bikes and uh, failing because the bike is too tall for Rachel Rekia. And that is the end of the final game in the regular season. Next week starts playoffs. Who was your MVP? For his chemistry play during the Tulip Day date, for his love level three in the night portion linked to his PTC, Zach was my... M M M M V P Who is yours? Zach is, I think, probably the better answer for this. But I like to Classic. go I like to go with somebody who's shaking shit up. Somebody who's really putting out the effort. Okay. So tonight. You're gonna give it to COVID. No. <laughs> Despite, I'm like, come on, that's crazy. Despite uh, a play that he made that I think was bad early on or, or kind of later in the game, despite that, I'm going to give Tino my MMMMMVP. 
And I'll tell you why. Yes, he made this bad play, but what he's done now in making that bad play is turned all attention toward him for hometowns. He will be the main story of hometowns. Is he still feeling some type of way about Rachel Recchia? Is he overcoming whatever feelings he has? Are the producers helping him now? Is he that guy we saw talking about open gameplay speech and not seeming very for TRR? We don't know. So we're all going to be very curious to see how that hometown date goes. And I think that's the one we're all looking forward to. So he has successfully here through play forced the edit to make him a much more important hometown than any of the other maybe seven that we're going to fucking see (laughs) in one goddamn episode. I can't I cannot imagine that we're going to see seven. But watch him do it. Maybe it's just the meeting of the family portion and we won't see the like get to know my hometown part. How terrible would that be? Maybe. I mean, it's going to be terrible. I already know it's going to be terrible. But I did actually enjoy this episode. I thought it was pretty entertaining. And, you know, I'm excited to see where this is going with Tito. I I had assumed that he is the ring winner for Rachel, Rachel Recchia, but I don't know. Still unspoiled. Late season villain. And now let's run down everybody's rose quotients. I teased that up top. So here's what you got. These are the, the seven players remaining. In last place, you got Tyler with a 3.4. He's had two zero pointers throughout the course of this season. But that night one was a fucking 10 pointer. Ugh. It's hard to come back from that. Then, moving up the chart, we have Tino. He's got a 1.83, three zero pointers, um, one of which was the FIMP. So he's the only player on our list to have six total roses. And by the way, you have to have five total minimum to qualify with an official rose quotient. And then anything over that obviously gets added to it as well. After Tino, we've got uh, Eric at a 1.8. He only had one zero pointer. And then we have got Zach, Jason, and Johnny all tied at a 1.6. Zach has two zero-pointers. Jason has one zero-pointer. Johnny has two. And then we have at the very top of our list with a sub-one rose quotient. This is a 0.8. It is Avon. He got a one, a zero, a one, a zero, and a two. On uh, night one, he got a two. So that has helped him out a lot. But there you have it. Let's go, Avon. He's in my top four. That point eight, I mean... Only one left. Yeah, I mean, he seems like he's going to go pretty far. I I mean, I think he'll definitely make it through hometowns. But time will tell. But that's the Rose Quotient ladder uh, right now. Avon's at the top of it. And we're going to see what happens next week. But thanks, everyone, for tuning in. For our big recap of this game, I have to agree with you, Pace Case. This was probably my favorite episode of the season so far. I think the group dates were, um, you know, they were interesting. They yeah. were fun and they were a little zany and in in the right kind of way. To have a a show where both Jorge Moreno bystanders that led group dates are like, they're both 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. in my books. It was very hard for me to make that decision. But, um, you know, ultimately, I guess I thought, the guy who had to do a complete lie about a strongman contest with wheels of cheese. That's a harder thing to pull off than I think that woman was probably like a real dominatrix. What if he just has, what if the contest is just really small and not on the first page of Google, (laughs) this poor man. (laughs) I went about 10 pages deep. You know, I look, 
S&M Susie got us all of our face plays. She got us sure. Gabby putting whipped cream on everyone's nipples. You know, I that was my preferred date. But they were both great. And I liked the tulip, the weird tulip <laughs> parade as well. Yeah, I mean, they were all interesting bystanders. They had very little to say. This, it was just a good episode. There were a lot of like super good components here. I just wish we could get the presentation up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for breaking it down with me, Clues. Thanks for breaking it down with me. And I look forward to doing Twibbin with you. That'll be out on Friday. And we're going to have a Digging Deeper for y'all on Monday. And it's going to be good. God, it truly is. But thank you once again. And before we go, as always, what is that at? It has been 7,449 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then 